Boo. You think I'm a good girl? Just wait and see. We're bad girls. This is what we do. I'm the girl that's gonna save your life. Eh, you shot pretty well. For a boy. Can't you handle a woman with a big gun? I put the fun in funeral. I like my men covered in blood. Hail to the queen, baby. I can, and I will. I can, and I will. I'll take a bite out of you. Beware the sirens. It's us, back for another episode of Sirens of Horror. As always, I'm your mistress of evil, Ella Evella, along with... Her sister of sin, Ashy Slashy. And today we are uh, promoting Black History Month, and I'm super, super happy to say we have Jamie on the podcast. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Um, Would you like to tell our podcast listeners who Jamie is? I think Jamie can tell who Jamie is. Jamie, well, no, who is I mean, Jamie? who is Jamie to you, Ella? <laughs> oh, um, you guys have heard about Josh, my husband, Steph, and my boyfriend. Jamie is also uh, another one of the menfolk I've collected and put in my pocket so I can go back to my bog swamp. <laughs> <laughs> I willingly walked right on in. Like, this might be a trap. Cool. Yep, she, she's the bog witch, I am the forest witch. <laughs> Um, I've actually known Jamie, oh god, for about five years? Sounds about right. Yeah, uh, I, I met Jamie through, uh, my friend Adina, who led me to Justin, who led me to LOJ, uh, and we met, I, my first year. It was the celebrity event. We were that, at yeah, the so, so way before I actually even did LOJ, because that was the, the day we did it, and then Justin, our good friend Justin, uh, you can check him out. If you like teas, please check out Justin. I'll leave a link below. Um, and that's when Justin figured out I was a chef and was very angry that nobody had told him that I was a chef. It was infuriating. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember uh, Justin was doing something, and I was like, oh, do you, do you want help like whipping this? And he's like, oh, do you know how to do that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I've been a chef for the last ten years. And just the look of, like, anger and relief that quickly went over his face. And he's like, do all this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> he visibly went through all the stages of grief. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've been here for the last three hours and I had no idea you know how to do this. Um, but me, me and Jimmy have been casual friends, uh, parties and stuff like that. And then about uh, three years ago? It was two, two, two and a half. Two, two and a half, half. now. Uh, we did LOJ and, uh, we got into a, a weird conversation about horror films. Oh, yeah. And, uh, we discussed the fact of, like, the types of film, uh, characters that are murdered in horror films. The black guy, you know, I'm gonna go first. And I'm the slutty goth girl, so, like, I'm, I'm three or four, so we came up with a lovely battle plan to hide in the bathroom with Jameson. <laughs> yeah. Did it barricade it, get really drunk, and wait for the second wave of cops. Yeah, right. We discussed the fact we can't come out because at, at this certain point, we're both probably going to be covered in blood. Yeah. Because we're, we're not going to figure out there's a killer. You don't ever figure out there's a killer. There's at least three deaths. We figure there's got to be a Heather, a Kimberly, and a Sasha. Well, no, I feel like at which point when, at least when Heather and Kimberly die, that's when you guys are, you guys are, you know, a bit blood splattered. And at that point, you're like, grab the Jameson and lock ourselves in the bathroom. But we will, we will, because Ashy is our final girl. We will set up traps for you. Yeah. 
and we will give you an entire weapons layout. <laughs> we'll give you, like, the Kim Possible cob link. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but for our safety, we are going to hide in the bathroom. Valid. At which point, you know, once the second round of cops is called, you can hear the sirens. I'll knock on the door, soaked completely in blood, just huffing. <laughs> They're here. I killed it. It's gone. Here's Where's the whiskey? Go, go, go. We got whiskey for you, girl. <laughs> Because we know the first wave of cops is dead. Yeah, yeah for well, sure. And also, uh, uh, goth slutty girl coming out covered in blood with a black guy. We've seen this in horror films. <laughs> it's like, nope. We also live in L.A. It's, 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 a, yeah. it's, it's a twofer. <laughs> it's not ending well. Uh, and I think we, we literally ended up the night talking about, like, well, one like, it's a possession and the house tries to drown us. Damn. We got yeah, some with weird possessions. Really I'm sorry, guys, but when it comes to possessions, I can't be your final girl. No, you can't. But no, we were talking about like the house, like Amityville style. So, like, what if we like barricade ourselves in this bathroom, but it's like Amityville, so like the sinks start running and the like tub starts running, and I'm if like, that sinks running with booze. We'll drink our way out. Yeah, we got <laughs> well, no, okay. So then I can still I can still save you guys. I'm just gonna run out of the fucking house with my cell phone. Make sure I have service. Call Ed and Lorraine and be like, yo, house is possessed. My friends are be- being drowned in the bathroom. Get here fast. Conjuring three. Plot. Done. Yeah. It's okay. I'm an unlicensed plumber. I- I'll figure this out. And then at which point, like, I'm going to be sitting outside next to the tree with my candles just trying to, like, figure out how to suppress the demon that has now been summoned. Okay, though, then we then have the issue. Because I'm definitely getting possessed by the demon. Yeah. Well, no, at which point, I'm going to get, like, the calm link of, shit, Ella's possessed. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? Shake your butt. Just shake your just, butt. Just shake your butt. Maybe that'll work. It's not working. God damn it. All right, I'm coming up with the candles. <laughs> <laughs> like, get thee out of you. <laughs> I just really enjoy this mental image of, like, me fully possessed and Jamie shaking his butt and me just being like, Doom. <laughs> I'll go full magic mic on this. Magic yeah. Malcolm, if you will. And this, this how, I like that. How you possess, like how you distract a possessed Ella. Yeah, pretty much. Cute boy butt shake. <laughs> uh, but we did that, and then uh, we, we've been on a few dates. We've gone to Lost Spirits. It's been a blast. Uh, he's uh, He works with Justin doing all of that. He's a great guy. I give him two giant uh, dead thumbs up. Aw. So, Are they severed? Of course. They're not mine. And he, you know, for me, just right before we started recording, got the uh, blood seal of approval, so. Mm-hmm. I haven't wiped it off. I'm going to keep it right here. <laughs> uh, so, uh, this week, uh, when we were discussing doing this, we decided to give Jamie the option of what film he wanted to do. And you picked. Us. By our good man, Jordan Peele. Uh I'd like to take a second to just discuss Jordan Peele because uh, I I loved Key and Peele. Yeah, every me bit too. of it. So so much. Uh, I, I was such a big fan. Um, I went to a few of their like live shows when they would do them at like the Universal City Walk Ooh. and stuff like that. And then um, when it was 2017, when Get Out came out, right? Yeah. That sounds about right. And uh, so they were like, uh, Jordan Peele is doing horror. horror. (laughs) And I literally sat there and I was like, 
huh, hey. I, I, I didn't know what to think. And uh, I saw an interview, and this is a little-known horror fact. Uh, the very first technically classical American horror film mm-hmm. is Night of the Living Dead. Which also, besides it being the first zombie film, the first classical uh, American horror film of it wasn't another story, it wasn't a reinvention, it was a American done horror film. Uh, it also was another huge thing of it was the first film to star an African American actor mm. as the lead role and yeah. as the hero. Yeah, and that was like a huge thing back then because they were st- at that point we're still kind of dealing with. Well, they were still dealing with doing blackface in films and... uh, Not really being in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a whole thing. Uh, I literally plan on getting Shudder this month uh, because they're doing a series about black history in horror. And as much as women, LGBTQ, I mean, uh, we we could take an entire 10 hours to discuss transgender for sleepaway camp. Uh, how it deals, but as as negative as it can be, it also gives a really good outlet for these uh, groups that, that do feel fear in our day-to-day lives. Um, we've discussed the fact that I'm Jewish, I'm bisexual, Ashley's also Jewish and bisexual, you're an African-American man living in Los Angeles. Uh, we all got a shit ton of, of reasons to be a, a little terrified yeah. Uh, especially right now. And and horror is an outlet for that. And so when it was uh, talked about, Peel did this huge interview. And I watched it and he was discussing like Candyman and Night of the Living Dead and the Wayne's Brothers scary movies. But also like the 2000s. Uh, I know you did last summer, uh, Haunting of Hill House, all this stuff where he knew horror. He knew from, like, the creation to the spoofs to how, like, the 2000s treated African-American males and horror. And I was like, okay, you're, you're not just some funny guy coming in, like, yeah. doing this. You know what the fuck you're talking about probably more than me at this point yeah. during this and interview. I, I do want to piggyback a little bit on that, like, now knowing that kind of Jordan Peele really had this, like, huge love ar- love and array knowledge of horror um my very first freaky fact of the episode okay jordan peele gave the cast 11 horror films to watch they would have a shared language when filming oh i'm, I'm curious what these films are jaws okay dead again yeah the shitting <laughs> the babadook Ooh. babadook it follows Ah, oh, we did that one. A Tale of Two Sisters. Ooh. The Birds. Okay. Funny Games. Oh, it's one of my favorite films. The Martyrs. Oof. The Right One In and The Sixth Sense. Uh, I love all of those films. Uh, uh, it, it's it's such an interesting variety. Yeah. Horror, he, he jumps from all over extrasensual horror to just right on that's terrifying it's gonna eat me mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting going from like the tale of two sisters uh we discussed this a lot in um our ghost episode uh, it's a japanese horror film of i i don't even know how to describe it go watch it 
Uh, it's it, it's terrifying. Martyrs uh, is about as close as I can get to gore porn. Uh, I've discussed some. I, I think Cannibal Holocaust, even though a lot of people look at it as it's like the original gore porn, Cannibal Holocaust did have a point. Yeah. Uh, Green Inferno by Eli Roth does not. I will not watch it. But Cannibal Holocaust did have a point about 1970s and the war in Vietnam and uh, exploitative uh, journalism. But Martyrs is about as, as far as I can go into, like, body horror with a reasoning. Because they, 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 they suck you in. Uh, the plotline of Martyrs is literally this uh, Spanish group. It kidnaps young people to really put them through uh, the worst physical torture to make them into heavenly martyrs. The idea, the, the more physical pain you, you deal with, the closer you are to God. And it, it was one of those films where I was like, oh, this is really painful to watch, but like the, the plot line has sucked me in. Mm-hmm. And that can make it more terrifying as a movie because you can see how someone's zealousness can lead to that. And you yeah. can have that fear that, no, people are really like that. It mm-hmm. could happen. It, it, it reminded me so much of like the Spanish Inquisition and like how far. But then there's films like uh, Hostile, Human Centipede, where like I'm like, I don't care. Like, it, it's just gore porn. I, I won't watch it. I really got about three minutes into Hostel, and I was just like, I, I took I a nap through that one. <laughs> I, I can't do, because it, it had no reasoning for it. But where Martyrs had a lot of like, oh fuck, mm-hmm. oh why are they doing this to them? Oh god, there's like a cross behind them and they think this is taking them to Jesus. Oh dear god. <laughs> yep. Things done in the name of Jesus. Uh, that yeah. should be a horror film in and of itself. <laughs> I like Part it. Part documentary. It's like an anthology. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Jamie, why did you pick this film? Well, I've kind of had a love for Jordan Peele's writing, and I've had confidence that he could do this type of movie, mainly because comedy and tragedy are like sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. You can go back to the greats like Shakespeare. He's always had comedy and tragedy. You can do both. Yeah. Just because because he's a comedian, I know he understands the opposite side of it and how to like really touch you and make you feel something and bring it into your mind to where you think that it's entirely possible. Uh, I think I think it's interesting you bring that up because uh, I I feel like with Get Out and I feel like you can't do us without mentioning Get Out because it yeah they're they're so similar. Um, I, I feel like Get Out, it, it had those comedic moments, but with, with Get Out, uh, with, I, I can't think of the TSA guy. I'm just going to call him TSA Badass. Uh, what are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> that guy's just funny. Uh, but it was so funny, but it, the comedy in Get Out was almost jarring. Yeah. Because of how fucking waspy the entire film was and how dry it was that the comedy for that one almost felt like it was good and like of course the fucking end of the film when he runs her over and it's like tsa motherfucker <laughs> i died laughing uh but i feel like uh us combines 
Uh, it was very fluid, almost. Like, it, uh, spoiler alert, the scene with the waspy white family. Oh, yeah. When, uh, when they get killed. Which, I love the, the differentiating between, like, this, how so many films show, like, a disgruntled black family and, like, the perfect white family, how flipped it is. Yeah, I really like that. how shit that family is. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> um, but with, um, so with the white family being, when the white family gets killed, and, uh, Elizabeth Moss' character is, like, trying to get their, basically their Alexa. Oh, it's called Ophelia. Ophelia. Yeah. She Which goes, oh, I, I love that little great. joke. That <laughs> yeah. little joke of it's Ophelia. Yeah, she was like, Ophelia, call the police. And she goes, okay, playing Fuck the Police by <laughs> NWA. NWA. Yeah. And then you hear, Fuck the Police. And it just like the family's being just completely obliterated. And I'm just well, like, even you get that earlier where like he's trying to give her like his sangria and he's like, What do you say? And she's like, I fucking hate you. But the, the comedy runs more fluidly through this film. And I think it, uh, for me, and of course, like, uh, I haven't had a lovely sit down with Jordan Peele uh, <laughs> yet, please, for the love of God. <laughs> I, I have a weird feeling it would actually just be the tethered screeching sounds coming out of my mouth. <laughs> oh my God, that was so well done. Yeah. I think if I ever met him, I would just be like, I'd, I'd have like a thousand and one questions and I would just be like, <laughs> I would not actually be able to speak. I feel like I'd actually just want him and Josh to go into a corner and say, bitch. <laughs> I think that's, like, my one goal. Just look around. We kind of had a similar experience at uh, LA Comic Con. When I met Doug Jones. When we met I Doug Jones, my she completely lost her mind and was just word vomit. <laughs> Uh, I, I got to meet Doug Jones, and, uh, so, uh, this is a weird fact about me. I love Wendigos. I think Wendigos are some of the most terrifying, underrated, great monsters. They're, they're so good. And, uh, he played one in a series called Fear Itself. Ooh. And, uh, Doug Jones is actually, uh, pretty much without prosthetics the entire, uh, that's an hour, uh, like hour short films. Uh, but he's almost complete without prosthetics, and it, it was it was so terrifying and so great. Um, and I, he was there at LA Comic Con, and literally, I took me about twenty minutes to even like walk up towards him. I was so because it it took both me and Josh because she was like, I see I Doug because she was like, I see Doug Jones. He's leaving his booth. I kind of want to go say hi, and we're like. Let's go. Because I was like, I would love to meet Doug Jones. Doug Jones is amazing. Let's go. It's just like, I can't. I can't this I can't. is honestly the first celebrity I, I was terrified to meet because, like, I started watching Hocus Pocus when I was three. Uh, I, I've seen pretty much everything he's ever done. Uh, I love him. I love him so much as Abe Sapien, Shape of Water, and uh, Cold Night. Just everything. He He's such an amazing actor, and I think body acting is such a core of horror and is so underprivileged uh but yeah i met him and uh i, I brought up uh the coldest night and he stroked my cheek and told me thank you darling no one ever talks about that and gave me a hug and i was like crying and he literally just kept hugging me 
he was like, it's okay, it's okay. And I think he was a little shocked because I think people come up to him and they're like, you played Billy Butcher in Hocus Pocus or you were in Shape of Water. And I brought up this fucking inane goddamn, like, Showtime series he did. But I was, I was, like, straight on just crying. Like, meeting him and just being like, the, what he has given to horror and gotten such little recognition for in horror uh it is is jaw dropping but he he pet me and he cupped my cheek and he told me um thank you so much darling and and hugged ashy and hugged josh (laughs) and i was just crying i was just a crying mess i was so happy he gets so many thumbs. <laughs> I will chop off an entire city worth of thumbs for you, Doug Jones. Um, but back onto the subject of now that Ella's all like misty eyed talking about this. Um, so you you kind of mentioned a little bit about the the sounds, the like shrieking, the the tethered sounds they make. Yeah. Um, I have a freaky fact about Lupita's voice. Lupita based Red's voice on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And specifically the spasmatic dysmorphia he suffers from. Interesting. Going for Kennedy. I mean, people have done it before. (laughs) Not in that way. (laughs) I mean, in so many ways. (laughs) In all of the ways, actually. Um, I I think uh, Get Out was... A little bit more of him showing he could do horror. Like, look at this. Yeah. I feel like uh, almost how we kind of make the joke, like season one of the podcast, where we were figuring stuff out. Season two, we've we've smoothed down all the edges. Look forward to season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is crazy, because his third film uh, comes out this year. It's Candyman. I was uh, hoping he would get the rights for that one. Uh, I I was so scared because I when they were talking about Candyman, I I love that film so much. Mm-hmm. It's so so good, and the fact that uh, we're not because we don't have the full script out yet. Uh, but Tony Todd is playing a version of Candyman. Ooh. Tony Todd is in the film. Uh, we're not sure if he's playing like. A retired version of Candyman or a Candyman in the past if there's a new Candyman. I'm looking around for mirrors every time you say it. (laughs) Shit, how many times have I said this? Okay, the bathroom's over there. Nobody go near it. I'm like, like, no, 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 no. Don't do it. I just say Beetlejuice. Does that just mean like Beetlejuice and Candyman fight in my mirror? Because that'd be a really interesting battle. You can sell tickets to that. (laughs) Uh... But I, I think I think Candyman's gonna be like his stride, as I feel like he did get out. He showed us he could fucking terrify us. He did us, which shows he can do thriller, a world of horror. Because uh, I think that's a great thing about us is it's not just like this small little thing. It's right. It's, it's not centered to like though. a house, or it's not centered to. A town. It's, yeah. Well, it's it is kind of centered to a town in a way. Well, but the it story does... is in a town, but the effect is worldwide. yeah. The effect is worldwide. I think uh, he's touching on like some what the great horror writers do 
Like, Stephen King, you could say, argue that all of his horror films take place in the same universe. I think for Jordan Peele, he's going to have that opportunity to make more and kind of set it up to where these things, while they're not mentioned, they kind of take place in the same kind of tone and plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's something that great horror directors can do is create that feeling of a, of a world. And I definitely believe, like, if somebody was like, Get Out and Us take place in the same world, I'd be like, oh, you mean the place that created clones of people as a, like, dark government thing? Also had a place where there was a dark government conversation to put people's brains in other people's brains? Yeah, that that totally flies. Mm-hmm. Super that, checked out. That, that uh, lack of identity. Yeah. That I feel like runs through it that... Um, I mean, we haven't done Candyman yet on the podcast, but uh, I think Candyman deals a lot with uh, identity and what it kind of means to be in so many different ways mm-hmm. of stuff like that. But uh, let's try and wrangle ourselves back into us. Um, I'm kind of more interested because us, if you actually look at it, the film is pretty step by step by step by step horror. Yeah, very yeah. straightforward. Um, but I think there there's so much to be said in kind of, you can clump everything before the night that happens. Uh, everything that happens in the one night between their house and uh, Elizabeth Moss's house, that's what I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. And then the, the fallout and the real showing of what the tethered are and that world. So I'm going to kind of treat it as those three chunks just because it's hard to, it's a very overarching film and it's hard to take certain scenes. They did great setup work, preparation. So uh, I'm just going to quickly run through kind of the the setup part. Uh, So you get the idea. um, I'm terrible at this. So while you're doing that... um... I have, I, this is going to be, I, I feel like this is going to be a very freaky fact-filled episode. I'm into that. <laughs> the freaky facts are kind of the f- um, fun part for me. <laughs> so, we're, in you know, the opening scene is a family at a pier. And the place that this was filmed was all in Santa Cruz, which is my husband's hometown. Mm-hmm. Also murder capital of the world. Also murder capital of the world, which leads into my freaky fact. Uh, like the Lost Boys... Several key scenes take place in Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. There is even referenced in, or there is even a referenced in universe when Adelaide's mother says, "You know, they're filming or they're shooting a movie over there by the carousel." <laughs> That's so, um, while this because it takes place because it takes place in the nineteen like nineteen eighty five or something yeah, like that when they're children <laughs> when they're chil- when uh, Adelaide's a child mm-hmm. and they're at the the thing and they're at the pier they're filming Lost Boys well. That's so a little awesome. film inception, and like I, I have a deep, con- I have now a deeper connection to this film now. You put says Lost the girl, Boys in anything, and she says gone. the girl wearing the Lost Boys T-shirt now. Yeah, um, I, I was noticing that when I walked up. Yeah. I'm like, yes. Thanks to Ella. It Lo- was once mine. I can't rock red. It, it does not look good. Um, Lost Boys is a deep connection to me. Me and uh, So we'll get into that. So we have obviously this film takes place in Santa Cruz. So mm-hmm. uh, the film. Starts off as Adelaide as a young girl going to the Santa Cruz boardwalk with her mother and father. 
And mm-hmm. we are immediately smashed with the fact that it is the 1980s because she gets a Thriller t-shirt. Also, also I really fucking want the Thriller t-shirt. Every time super. I watch this film, I'm like, I want that shirt. So, I, I love how we both said also at the exact same time and sounded exactly alike. My, I, I wrote a note in my, uh, in my notes, kid running the booth, so my dream type. Oh, I didn't even notice the kid. I was so focused on the shirt. He had the, like, kind of, like, the, the jerry curl, kind of, like, slicked back hair, the black, you know, like, Metallica t-shirt and the jean, like, the jean jacket with the sleeves cut off. Oh, God. That was running the booth, and he was just like, I hate my life. I work a fucking booth at Santa Cruz. 16-year-old Ashy's just dying. Yep, I was just like, hi, pretty man. <laughs> hi, pretty. Hi, pretty. I like how you're focused on the guy, and I'm, like, looking at the Thriller t-shirt, like, ah. Oh. I was digging her dad's haircut. I'm like, man. I like how we're all looking at something different. All, all into something very different. Um, and you get this idea. Uh, first of all, I feel like I need to make a point. She sees a young, uh, long-haired blonde man who probably would have been my type. Don't want, to, don't want to really say this that. Was a, this is after uh, that, though. So, like, she's kind of, she's now wandering around in her little well, I was t-shirt. Saying, I was just kind of giving a summary yeah. for this. But, yeah, uh, I'm sadly to say this is probably my type. It's mm-hmm. the crazy homeless man with long blonde hair staring at uh, uh, Jeremiah 1111. I mean, you did. Yeah, we're, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> uh, who then takes a walk down the beach because her parents are having a fight uh, to uh, <laughs> something that would not be made. In 2020. Oh, God, no. The Shaman Spirit Quest with a very racial Indian on Mm -hmm. it. Uh, Yeah, that place would have been tore down. Yeah. Which I, so I want to make a point to that. Um, Because later in the film, they do change the name of the funhouse to Merlin's, like, Merlin's something, Merlin's Quest. Yeah. To find yourself. Yeah. And it has, like, a giant Merlin thing on it. So I'm be- I'm guessing because of that they're like now that we're in you know 2020 2020 or you know now that we're in the 2000s you can't have that we can't have that so let's make it Merlin's quest so they I'm pretty sure they did kind of were like yeah this is not okay but I, I think it's interesting I because uh, I I I have the faith in in Peel that he planned that. Of, of what I'd was agree. acceptable in the 80s versus, like, what is acceptable in, like, 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she goes in there, and she, uh, the lights go out, and she's in a hall of mirrors. Yeah. And she ends up bumping into herself. And that's all we see. It's another version of her. And she comes out of it. She's very traumatized. She didn't speak for a while. Uh, we then go forward into adult Adelaide, who's with her uh, stunningly gorgeous husband. <laughs> sorry, sorry. He's rocking them glasses, and glasses was hot. I don't know wh- what about really bulky, like, macho guys and, like, glasses and sweater vests that does it for me. I was going to say, you know he, who he reminded me of? He reminded me of the husband in Renault. American Horror Story. Yeah, kind of. I, I, I really have a thing for really buff guys that look like they have a library. <laughs> it's just a thing. <laughs> yeah, they got buff carrying all those books. Yeah, I don't Knowledge know. weighs you down. There, there's something about, like, really strong-looking guys that, like, you know, you can go fight for Wakanda and also get me the book off, like, the tallest shelf. <laughs> that is a great thing in my mind. 
Like, I mean, he did fight for Wakanda, so. He I, super did. Okay, so did the, she. The first two times I saw this film, I couldn't figure out where I knew him from because his the acting is so different. Yeah. Well, so, so like, I was like, you're so sweet. Where do I know you from? Yeah. And then I so, looked it up and I was like, oh, you're a dad asshole. Yeah. So, it's funny because, like, so, uh, Chris and I watched this movie a couple nights ago and he is really good at, like, recognizing people from, like, other, pro- like, other projects or, you know, whatever. And so I'm he, terrible at And that. he was immediately like, oh, they're both in, uh, Black Panther. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who, What? Who were they? And he was like, oh, he was the asshole, and she was his, like, love interest slash badass Amazonian woman. And I'm like, Yeah, I can pick it up her out of the oh, line. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'll admit, like, I, I got I got my nerd crush on Shuri. Yeah. I was very upset when she was snapped. I was, I was ready to quit the franchise. I'm like, no, I she would, lives. I was, I remember the first time, like, we were watching that. Uh, I will admit, like, Michael B. Jordan, like, showing up on screen, I was just like, him, Shuri. Him, Shuri. Him, Shuri. Him, Shuri. Uh, <laughs> I understand this is a very important film, but also part of me is like... <laughs> I was like, hey, they're cousins. They can't be doing that. I, no, no, she, she didn't. I was just enjoying the pretty people. She was enjoying being with both of them in her head. Oh. It doesn't count if they're both doing things to me. They're, they're not doing things to each other, so... It's fine, I'll help. That, that works. There's a buffer. Yeah. yeah. I am happy to be your buffer. You're the conduit. <laughs> yeah. I'm the conduit of sexy. Um, yeah. It's Elle's new nickname. <laughs> uh, so you, they get to this thing, and what I really kind of like in the first part of this film uh, is it's treated, and I might be wrong, but it, it's very much treated, I like it when films do this. Uh, next week we're doing The Invitation. Uh, but we've also dealt with some films that deal with like racial inequality and stuff like that. But I like it when films don't make race a topic. We're like, they're just a great family and they're just super happy and they're going to the lake. Uh, but I feel like anytime they do that in a film, it... It feels like when they kind of, like, do it, and they do it in some horror films, where they have a girl and they're immediately like, oh, Allie, are you ever going to lose your virginity card? Where it's like, oh, I'm so happy to get out of Los Angeles and be somewhere the air is clean because we're an African-American family. And we, they do that in horror films sometimes where it's like, we have eyes. We can see. Mm-hmm. Don't insult our intelligence. Yeah. And that is something uh, I, I feel Jordan Peele does very well. We're, he, he did a little more in this film, but also you have to play the, your stupidest person, like in the big exposition at the end. But I don't ever feel like Jordan Peele insults your intelligence as an audience member. He's like, you're, you're smart. Yeah. I, I feel that way too. I also feel that he does a subtle way of addressing things that normally don't get talked about. So <clears throat> what I really liked in the early part of the film mm-hmm. is when they're going to therapy and she's not talking and the dad's kind of in disbelief on the whole process of therapy and he's talking about something that's prevalent in the black community without just going, message, here it is, mm-hmm. that 
going to therapy and seeking help for traumas is kind of frowned upon and you either go to church or you get over it. Yeah. But without just throwing it in your face, he subtly showed that this is something that is there. And he didn't insult anybody's intelligence. He just showed that this is how a lot of parents react to children when they have traumas. If if they do go, they're half, one of them's half-hearted about it and not really doing what the child needs to help them. Mm-hmm. And there's all there's at least one that's willing to try and go this far. But it shows that at his community as a whole, sometimes you don't even get to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think he addressed that issue really well in showcasing it. Yeah, I, I like honestly, I, I picked up on that scene like a little bit, but I guess I picked up more on just like a father being like, "No, my my child's fine." Mm-hmm. Um, but I I definitely can see that. Of I, I have quite a few friends who've grown up in that community who uh, really the the conversation about mental health and like the black community is so much church based or nothing. Yeah heavy stigmatism towards it it's taboo to talk about or have the feelings to an extent interesting i i I think that that comes a lot to like with the idea of uh, later seeing abraham of how he kind of acts more of like uh because obviously uh the husband is he's funny he makes dad jokes he wears a sweater vest he's very kind his dad jokes were top (laughs) dog My eye rolls were intense. Uh, but then when you look at uh, Abraham of the Tethered, it, it's it's almost like back to like 2000s era horror film. Like, oh, you're strong and you're angry and you're dumb. Yeah. Where uh, I was reading an article uh, where it was discussing the, the modern version of an African family versus the stereotypes are kind of what the Tethered are. Of, like, the young son is dangerous because he plays with fire. Mm-hmm. The The father is dumb and strong. The mother leads everything. The daughter is just this crazy run-amok person. Versus what the family actually is. Yeah. And I read that and I literally didn't even like watching the film. And I think it, it's an interesting thing because I know I watch a lot of films with, like, guys and stuff like that. That I'll pick up on something on film that I'm like, they're like, oh, you picked up on that? That's really interesting. To then read articles and listen to interviews and dealing with, like, the black view. It's like, oh, shit, I'm so used to being a person that says, like, oh, didn't you notice this? That it was kind of a little uh, happily eye-opening of, like, there's so much I don't get. Mm-hmm. And I want to, like, let me listen to this podcast more. Let me let me learn more of, like, what don't I understand. I gotcha. Uh, so we, we deal with that, and then we get them going to uh, the beach. Yeah. And we meet the four worst people in the history of humankind. They were awful. <laughs> Oh, like, yeah, I, that family. I love Elizabeth Moss and most things, but God, those fucking twins, I wanted to drown them in the fucking, just shove their faces I'm, in the sand. I like the tethered versions of them better. <laughs> they at least were fucking silent. Though, I will say there was a moment in that where the kid, he, the son walks off 
and they can't find him. It broke kind of the immersion for me when he leaves the bathroom. Like, you dirty little bastard. You didn't wash your damn hands. <laughs> wash your hands. And it yeah. was in my mind the whole time. <laughs> you did not wash your hands. Well, and like the dad, doesn't the dad make a comment on that or something? I feel like there was something comment on what? the fact that he didn't wash Go his hands. Go back in. Yeah. Uh, you went in, like, yeah, you went into a fucking porta potty. You won't you wash your hands, like you, you fucking like steam clean that shit. Yeah, yeah, and it's kid mentality. Kids don't think to do that, yeah, so that I, made like, it very real. Yeah, and especially yeah. for me, like with working with kids. Now, thankfully, I work with slightly old, older, slightly older kids who understand washing my hands is a good idea. But when I was working with like preschool age kids and toddler <sighs> kids, they would go use the bathroom and. They'd go and continue on their merry way to start picking up a tray and, and go to work. And I'm like, no, you need to put that tray down and go wash your hands right now. Go pee in the ocean. It's it's more sanitized. Just go pee in the ocean. Okay, kid? Yeah. Like, yeah and they, the that's fish a, bucket in. That's the comment that they make. Is you know what? You At least the salt water will clean your hands. Yeah. Okay? But, like, I was just like, why didn't... You, you gotta fucking wash your hands before you touch anything in my classroom, goddammit. Shh, shh, shh. You get, like, a little thing of Lysol to yeah. spray. Just macing kids with Lysol, like, ah, <laughs> take your pestilence and be gone. Yes, I'm like, you don't want to get sick. This is why Ella is not a preschool teacher. And that's why they have people, if you're going to work with kids, get your vaccinations. Not so you don't infect the kids, it's so they don't infect you. <laughs> you don't get it. Uh, and, and the little kid runs into Merlin, and Mom, of course, breaks out. As she should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I what I kind of find funny is a lot of people have been like, "Oh, it's it's her freaking out because of her past trauma," and I wanted to be like, "Have you ever been watching a kid? Not even your kid. Have you ever been in charge of a small child and you lose it? It's fucking terrifying." Because yes. you got to explain why that child is gone. Yep. Not even like you you grew this child for nine months. And have now been like, and you shoved it out and you're raising it, which I'm guessing would make you slightly more attached to it. Presumably. I haven't the experienced that. The look Ashy is giving me of like, ah, oh, you're going to be such a great mom one day, Ella. Well, no, it's just the fact, I'm, I'm giving you that look because I know that when both you and I get pregnant at the exact same time, because we know it will fucking happen. It'll just be weird. <laughs> I will offer babysitting services. I have experience. <laughs> I am just. Gonna... I just feel. Ba- I feel bad for our husbands. We're gonna be so angry. <laughs> but I'm I know. S- I know that you know you're gonna be. You're, you're... I don't care. It's a tiny cooter goblin. And then and then when you see it, you're just like, I will yeah. die for you. I, I will you. live for you, my captain, my king. Yes, I just fucking quoted Lord of the Rings for my child. There's nothing wrong with that. I feel like that's what you were going to say. As soon as your child comes out of your cooch, my captain, my king. That's, of course, if I'm not talking to the belly. We have plans for you. (laughs) So I'm going to set it up. You're taking over the world, right? Cool. (laughs) I have said I want to get tiny boxing gloves so when it hits, I can hit back. (laughs) Teach him about the world early. No, I I want this kid to come out like doing ninja flips. (laughs) <laughs> I want this kid to be like in womb training. Like, come on, come on, fifty more reps, fifty more reps. <laughs> You're just like people want to be like, 
you, you'll be at your, uh, <laughs> your, like, we'll be doing, you know, our conjoined baby shower, and the two of you, just, the two of us just poking at our belly, like, what are you two doing? We're training them. <laughs> the world's a scary place. This thing's coming out ready. <laughs> so is it going to be like a giant mecha robot fight yeah. the kids yeah. are controlling? <laughs> it comes out, looks around, grabs a bunch of things, somehow has already, like, fastened, like, weapon and armor. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> The one that all the nurses are scared to touch. I made that one. Like, and this one's yours. Got the towel over the teddy bear's head, just pouring <laughs> water on his face. Who sent you? Who sent you? Yeah, mine's waterboarding the teddy bear. <laughs> I will I not so- have. Somehow we've made tiny Rambos. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if our children ended up as tiny Rambos. As long as they're Rambos, like, one through, like, three, where they're, like, kind of crazy. But when you get to, like, new Rambo, that's where you're just like, damn, you need therapy. <laughs> you are real angry. <laughs> so, uh, back to, um, the plotline of this movie. Um, she's just obviously scared. They go back. And then we get, I, I think, honestly, like, one of the scariest sentences in, in horror for me mm-hmm. is, Daddy's sitting there in his little Harvard sweater, boxes on, Mom's oh, having yeah. this weird conversation with herself in the mirror, foreshadowing! And then the little girl comes... That's a little boy. Oh, is, it the, is it the boy that says it's it? It's the boy. Okay. So he, he picks up his little wolfman mask. Oh, that's right. And says... There's a family in the driveway. And just the... the Yeah, like, just the deadpan, there's a family in the driveway, I'm just like... Which is just a phrase that is just... You don't want to hear. Well, it's, it's also, like, it's not there's someone in the driveway, it's not, like... They're, they're, Somebody's here. That means he really looked. <laughs> he really did, and he managed to go mommy, daddy, sister, brother. Yeah. Like, he managed to break them all apart into, like, this I is a family structure. Do, I, I do want to rewind just a little tiny bit. Um, in the, not the opening scene, but the opening scene of now that we're introduced to Adelaide, and much older, and her family, is they do make an effort to show the back shield, the, the back windshield. Oh, with the family? And show the stick figure family. Yeah. That like, was pretty that, cool. Like, that, because, like, they do, like, that's the one, like, one thing that I really liked was the fact that they kind of, like, the, when they this see is the them later, part. it, it, they almost line up with the family. Yeah. Well, I think, I think they do such a good job of, like, uh, really setting them up as, like, a very healthy, like, cohesive family yeah. where they're, like, they know what their son's into, they try to buy their son magic tricks, they're fine with him wearing this weird wolfman mask, she's doing trap. You know, I also I was like, my family could have been so much cooler. We also, I want to go back a little bit because I was just looking through my notes. We also forgot one key completely random thing. What's the opening the ran- credits. Oh, the bunnies. Yeah, that was. The wall of caged oh, bunnies. The, oh my god. That's that... how you know it's a scary movie you're walking into. Like, why? That, that, okay, but I, fuck the wall of bunnies. <laughs> Also, just that that fucking like intro theme song. Daisy agrees that intro theme song was badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, was so uh, melodic 
and terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Where it was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the insidious world right now. I think that's another great sign of a horror movie when the score just really puts you in there and immerses mm-hmm. you. Uh, he was saying something, uh, I was watching an interview, and uh, I can't remember the name right now of uh, the composer. Because he's the same guy that composed uh, Get Out. So would this be your, would this be one of Ella's extravagant facts? This is one of Ella's extravagant facts um, that, oh god, who is the director uh, of Jaws? Uh, oh god. Uh, Steven Spielberg? Steven Spielberg. <laughs> with John Williams. Oh he, yeah. Lily Steven Spielberg tore, told uh, Jordan Peele, this is your, this is your John Wills. Like, this is a person that really creates the perfect music for your movies. Hmm. Which, I can't think of a better fucking compliment to a director and a composer. Yeah. Being like, hey, I made Jaws. And John Williams fucking gave me the score. This is your person. Keep going. Like, that composer must be like... He, he said, I'm your John Williams. Okay. I'm your John Williams. Like, twirling his hair? Stop it. <laughs> go, tell me more of what, what Spielberg said to that me. Uh, but that that intro scene with, with the bunnies, which eventually comes back to later on in the movie. Um, but it was, it, was so, it was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Just seeing these bunnies in cages. I literally, at one point, like, I I had to pull up, does the dog die? I was like, do the bunnies die? Okay, the bunnies don't die. I feel like I should be terrified of these bunnies, but I'm not sure because they're so Do I trust so the bunnies? Cute. Do I not trust the bunnies? They're murder bunnies as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Anya was right. My random Buffy thing. Anya's oh, yeah. biggest fear is bunnies. Bunnies! There's bunnies! It must be bunnies! Or maybe midgets. Oh, once again, what feeling? <laughs> oh, that episode's so good. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, going back, now we're, you know, fast forwarding. <laughs> fast forwarding back to there's a family in the driveway. Also, dream fucking house. That was a It was home. cool. Okay, I actually, I, I don't know if it's just because the house I grew up in or uh, the amount of horror films I have seen. I actually have massive issues with any houses that have those giant windows in the back. Yeah, that's a the giant windows risk. I could have done without, but like otherwise, it was a really nice house and it was on a lake. It was very pretty. But a very nice house could do without the long windows, though. I, 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 like I said, like I don't know. It's because like we've mentioned Ashy uh, a lot in the past of like the house I grew up in had a lot of just open windows and I grew up close to like the uh, mountains out in Northridge so they would just be black yeah you could see nothing like she spent the night at my house many many a times and uh you you can't see anything and if you're in the living room uh you're mostly surrounded by black windows and you have no idea if there's somebody out there you have no idea until they smile (laughs) <laughs> yeah. don't say that I think I have to stay there this month <laughs> uh, but yeah it, it's very very disturbing and very creepy um, so then we get into the family uh, and the dad goes out with his 
baseball bat and he's trying to be like get the hell off my property mm-hmm. and then you get that like he does the polite approach first yeah he does he's, he's like hey can you guys leave you're kind of on my property they don't move well he, he's he's immediately got like the harvard sweatshirt yeah so he's immediately gonna do the harvard thing of being like i'm gonna come at this with very approachable would you care to leave i know i have a baseball bat. but he's got the baseball bat down no he comes back to the baseball bat oh yeah you're right he does he goes he's like hey Guys, what are you oh, doing? It's probably just some kids. They're just trying to freak us out. Yeah, like, okay, we got it. You freaked us out. Leave now. Can't rely on the police. They're not going to get here in time. Then, like, they don't move. Okay. And then he tries again. You know, he's like, okay, I get it. You can fucking leave now. We've, we, we're, we, you scared we've us. We've got this. We've got this. We got You're it. Creepy. Cool. You're creepy. They don't fucking leave. And then he's like, very, go. very calmly. You grab my baseball bat. Okay. Opens up the door. Close the door. Grab, like, and then once he's inside, he's like, I'm saving my fucking family. Like, well, grabs the baseball bat. good but he's, energy. Yeah, he's very, like. I agree. Like, you know, to quote um, Krampus, a shepherd must protect his flock. Yeah. Like, he, he's got that, like, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, like, cause shit, but, like, you're on my property, we're having a family vacation, get the fuck off. Yeah, and at which point he kind of, like, he looks at uh, Addie and he's like, Call the police. Do this. I'm going to scare him off with the bat. But just, you know, call And she's the... got the kids, like, yeah. in the tight huddle. Mm-hmm. So He's like, it's together. fine. Just call the police. They'll probably they'll deal with it. I'm just going to scare him off with the baseball bat. And she's... he goes up, and then the two little kids... Uh, do the skitter. Okay. I, uh, I don't remember the name of the girl, but I know the boy's name is Pluto. But his fucking movements... You're so I'm so we've discussed so the kids. In the... Okay, so I'm. I'll, I'll I'll name everyone else. Like I'll I'll name all of the okay versions versions of them later. But well, let's get let's get a, a a name version that way. Uh... Oh, she doesn't actually have. I think Hold it's on. ombre for the daughter. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there you go. It doesn't. It didn't load up. Okay. So it's... all of the names of the tether are of the of the family of this family. Are Red and Adelaide and Adelaide, Abraham and Gabe. Gabe is the dad. Abraham is the creepy one. Mm-hmm. Zora and Ombre. Zora is the actual daughter. Ombre is the creepy run freak. And Jason and Pluto. Jason is the one with the lovely Wolfman mask, and Pluto is Terror Incarnate. So also Terror Incarnate <laughs> um, also wears a mask. He does. He wears a fire eternity mask. Yeah, that makes sense because the whole point is he yeah. himself and it was funny. Fire. Like, my husband Chris was the one that actually pointed that out because he's done. Uh, he used to do like special effects and stuff for movies, mm-hmm. and he was like, "That's a fire eternity mask." <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll admit Pluto's reveal where he shows his like burnt yeah. mouth is uh, is is terror. Uh, Pluto is, I think, the most terrifying one yeah. of, of them. It's really, really creepy. So, you know, he tries to scare them off. The kids skitter. And Zora climbs up the tree. Or, yeah. uh, uh, Ombre climbs up the tree. Yeah. Like, also, oh. how, okay, uh, the son's name is what again? Jason. Okay, how do you name your daughter Zora? And then be like, and the son, Jason. 
we know which one you like more at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you have higher expectations of Zora. Yeah. Uh, Zora. Jesus. Did you go through a period when you had Zora? We know which one the father got to name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I named my daughter Zora. The mom's like, Jason, it's fucking fine. <laughs> um, also, I wrote down in my notes, what the fucking nope, masked kid in the window. <laughs> yeah. Like, because like, they all disappear, and then he's like, okay. Like, he walks back in, and he's like, They're shit's all about to go down. Well, what I, I found interesting, and it was it was kind of the first note for the tether, is Red uh, knows where the key is. Mm-hmm. She goes down and picks up the hidey key. Which was my first kind of thing watching this film of, like, how the fuck does this bitch know that? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh... It's a problem. rock. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, what, um, also, hide a key. What a fucking white thing to do. And they address that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the other family says earlier when they're at the beach, oh, do you have the hide a key out? I was like, wow. You don't do that. I'm sorry. I, I grew up in a very, very white neighborhood. I grew up in fucking Porter Ranch. Oh. Oh, no. We had our own game. They were the Porter Ranch Killers. Yeah. I once scared them off with a kendo stick. <laughs> if that explains to you what that kind of gang was. <laughs> um... I have a great visual of this right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's exactly what you're visualizing. It's exactly what you're visualizing. Um, but, oh my god, like, if I got locked out of my house, I knew how to break in. Yeah. But there was never a point where my parents were like, we're just gonna put a hide-a-key out here. They're like, you're smart, you'll figure it out, yep. you'll get in, or you'll sit outside until we come home. Those are your options. Uh, so the family comes in, and, uh, so they all line up in their two little rows of terror. And I think this is something that, like, the film, I feel like a lot of people go over, mm-hmm. because there's so many racial, political, classist issues in this, of, uh, the first time I saw this film, because I think this is, you've seen it a few times, right? This was, like, Watch 3 for me. Ashley, is this the first time you watched mm-hmm. it? Yeah, this is the first time we watched okay. it. Uh, it's terrifying, the idea of looking at somebody across from you that is you. Oh, yeah. Because uh, like, by the time I watched this, I noticed a lot of things didn't scare me the way they scared me my first watch through. Mm-hmm. My first watch through, the biggest creep factor was the idea of something that looks exactly like you, but isn't. And I think that, that was kind of the selling point of this movie, because, like, you know, that's that's what the whole point of this movie was. Like, something that is you, but isn't you. And, you, like... How do you defeat yourself? You yeah. know you. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, to spoilerific, because of course it is, that the idea of what society thinks you are. Mm-hmm. Because you find out later on in the film that uh, the tethered are created by the government. Yeah. To be you. A controllable you. So what what does society say you are? A product, a resource that you can be used up and thrown away. Mm-hmm. But also, like your most stereotypical 
like 90s comedy like yeah style of you because you get that later with like the family uh with uh elizabeth boss where like the dad's kind of like a fonzarelli asshole it's like an al bundy married with children kind Mm -hmm. of vibe yeah and the mom just is focused on like looking pretty and smiling so like what what does society say that you as a human being are boiled down and i think that that was a really interesting commentary that peel made and i think it it really led a lot to the fact that he ha- he is such a big horror fan. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, uh, I mean, uh, Lily, if you look going so far back as uh, The White Zombie, which was a horror film made in the 1930s, uh, which Lily featured white actors in blackface playing Jamaicans, <laughs> uh, there was a voodoo doctor, Lily named Dr. Satan. Yeah, Jamie's face is not is not happy. <laughs> I know things. I, I, I'm, I'm not accepting proud. that it's a thing, but it's just I'm like, oh yeah, that was a thing that just happened regularly. Oh, I oh. tried to repress. Uh, yeah, horror has not always been good. Hollywood. And when I mean has not always, I mean up until about 2011. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to blame it on Hollywood. I'm not going to blame it on horror. Hollywood is the problem uh i i would say horror while we we get good things out of horror um we we get films like Candyman, and we get those really good good horror films and we get night of the living dead uh i think an interesting thing about horror is we do get these gems but then we get the haunting of hill house we get uh i know he did last summer scream all, all of those where uh, the big blockbuster horror does so, so much to feed into propaganda and stereotypes mm-hmm. that uh, I, I almost feel like, you know, like I said, I, I haven't sat down and had a conversation with Jordan Peele, <laughs> Dreamlight. Uh, I almost feel like it was a reference to that. Of the the ideas of what what horror is depicted, yeah, a a young black woman or a young black kid or the the strong man. This is what horror shows us for the most part. It shows what's expected, what the society has decided you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So how how do you, Jamie, about that idea of the the tethers like what does that show you about him trying to tell that idea well from what i've seen with jordan peele he likes to show how others are viewing us what they expect us to be Mm -hmm. and the tether it, it goes a little further beyond that it shows that those in the positions of authority expect all of us to be a certain thing Mm-hmm. Whether it's not just black people, just the average person, you are just what they need until you can be thrown away. And this showing, like, it's easier to control you if we can predict you're going to be the jock, you're going to be the strong dad, mm-hmm. you're going to be the cantankerous little kid that gets into a little mischief. 
You're going to be that athletically gifted little girl. We can control and guide you to be what we need. And I think that's kind of what he was hinting at by showing the tethered in these ways. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, the idea of, like, it it's none of your humanity. Mm-hmm. It's all of your viability. Because you notice that, especially, like, with how easily the tethered kill. Uh, which you can go back to, is that nature or nurture? That's interesting are, way to look at it. Are yeah. the tethered killing these people because... Uh, they, they were not raised with any humanity and thus nature wise they weren't born with it or is it because they grew up experiencing because you, you find out that they've experienced in a shadow realm of like the I mean it's it's really a lot of film is Dante's allegory of the cave is, is these people they're not even looking at the the shadows they are the shadows mm-hmm. they're not living real lives they're living these shadow lives uh is it be they're able to kill their uh which, which has a really hard time the idea these people are born at the same time is one the shadow or is one not which which one is real because technically they're both still fully fledged people just one grew up in basement and one actually got to see sunlight mm-hmm. and experience it all so can you say one is the tethered and one is a shadow to the light when one person gets to live in sunlight and one person lives in darkness so is the idea that these people were born and without humanity or was the lack of humanity instilled upon them where to the point where killing these people it's not, I was born this way, it's you made me this way. You did this to yourselves by making me this way, I see. Without even knowing. It, it's you were an unwitting accomplice in my hell. Yeah. You simply living your life put mine through hell. I think it's... And she kind of, like, she she kind of, she literally says that in more words, obviously, uh, when, when Red, once upon a time, yeah, when Red tells her story, she was like, you know, I had to. Um, she was like, "You married Abraham. I had to marry Gabe." Okay, switch. Or sorry, you married mm-hmm. Gabe. Yeah. So and she even though gave birth to a beautiful little girl, I gave birth to a monster. But is it a monster because you didn't want to? Or is it a monster because she was born a monster? I I think it might have been she was born a monster. So, like, I feel like it also kind of made her, the birthing experience, So you're a whole more lot... nature of, of the tethered. Yeah. What about you, Jamie? Are you going more nature or nurture? Um, I'm going to go a slight more nurture than so, because she, because she perceived the child in her head as a monster... And kind of impose that on it. Child became that, so I'm gonna go with the nurture okay. aspect. I think, yeah, now that you like kind of put that, you put that into perspective. I think I'll, I, I, I love, love watching Ashley's opinions. Yeah, because it's been done in other movies. Like, would Michael Myers have been so horrendous? Would Jason have been the killer he was? 
without the experience. Would they? Would he have become a monster had he had what he needed? Yeah. So piggybacking on that, you mentioned Jason uh, from Friday the Thirteenth. So earlier we were making fun of Jason, the kid, and his name. Oh. 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 Ricky fact. Yeah. He was named after. He was named after Jason from Friday the 13th, and he wears a mask. And they're by a lake. And they're by a lake. Ooh. Elle is processing. (laughs) One moment. Server is rebooting. Um. Oh, God. Yep. That's a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with, it, it's it's 50-50, because I, I always have to go with your life is 50% nature, 50% nurture. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be the split vote. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm every state you want, don't want to deal with in an election. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm getting political. It's been a long month. Don't boo. Vote. <laughs> <laughs> don't boo. Fucking vote. Um... It's this idea of, while you can see they're genetically programmed to experience this life, Mm -hmm. uh, the human brain constantly wants to evolve. It's been shown that the human brain wants to learn. It wants to grow. Um, But how how do you grow? How do you learn in a white-walled room? Yeah. How do you learn anything other than resentment when you can feel the sun on someone else's face but never experience it on your own Mm -hmm. uh so i i think it's it's almost the nature controls the nurture yeah because they're genetically programmed by this it instills this hatred and they're not given the tools of the nurturing to overcome it yeah they're Mm -hmm. really left on their own to to fed uh like if if Red and Adelaide had never interacted with that door, uh, would they all have just starved and died? Well, they were eating the raw flesh. But the idea is, the, they say, like, they sealed it off. And she, Red and Adelaide just happened to find this, this way out. So if that had never happened... Um, the film takes place in about 2017. By 2060. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with that at a certain point. You would still procreate and you would eat the flesh of your dead fellows. Mm-hmm. But by 2060, uh, we could have found an underground pathway across the entire United States filled of tens of millions of bones. Mm-hmm. This is true. What's to say that's not already there? Mm-hmm. It's almost like this place was founded on a dead Indian burial site. I mean... Alright, time to go and dig it! <laughs> Why do all these tragedies keep happening here? I'm just saying, if I find them, does that make me the leader? Because if so, I got some great plans. Well, if you find the bones, are you a grave digger or archaeologist? It depends on the year. Yeah. Depends on how old the bones are. And no one's given me an exact number. I've asked so many. <laughs> 82 years. Hmm. That's what I'm going with. We're going to go with that? 82. Are the people alive that can consent to dig up their stuff? That's what we're always wondering. Remember, everybody, consent is necessary even when digging up someone's bones. <laughs> 
Yes, that's where we've gotten to in this podcast. <laughs> exhuming um, graves. Exhuming graves. Um, so we got we got a whole lot more to do with the tethered and uh, Adelaide and her family. But um, I think this episode's hit about a little over an hour. And we got a lot more to talk about. So I'm going to vote we come back on Thursday. What do you two think? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Our, uh, what time? We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. <laughs> no, we keeping you here. We'll just have them listen to it on yeah. Thursday. Oh, good. good. I'm like, <laughs> do I have to leave? I don't want to go. We'll just have you sleep on the chair for a few days and then we'll, we'll wake feed, you we'll up. We'll feed you and water you. All right, we're going to have to send my tether over to my job. Hopefully they can type. <laughs> Wait, that'd be a really convenient way to use the tether, though. <laughs> yeah, just go on there. You don't, you don't even got to talk that much. People aren't that smart. It's cool. <laughs> Make noises. They'll leave you alone. <laughs> That's what our lovely tether conversation is. <laughs> And we'll leave you with that. <laughs> All right. Uh, join us back on Thursday. And as always. Good. Bad. And I stole the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he'll hopefully bring it back on Thursday. <laughs>